listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You may be seated and let me say good morning, church. And uh, my name is Mark Kirkendall, and I'm one of the leaders here at the White House campus. And uh, man, thank you so much, Rivers and Band, for leading us again. So we weren't for sure how many people would show up this morning. So it's great to look out and see you here. I know the flu has hit heavy. Uh, we've got a lot of people already traveling, seeing family. And uh, so a lot of people that we can be interceding uh, for uh, this week. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or on your device, let's go to Luke. Of all places, a great place to spend on this Christmas Eve. And if you've been with us over the last several weeks, uh, we have been in a series called Surprising Grace. And that has been our Advent focus uh, for the last uh, four weeks. We've looked at uh, some incredible women. We went to the book of Matthew and that genealogy and we looked at the five women that are mentioned there. What is surprising, first of all, is there are women mentioned, and that's typically not normal when you're reading genealogies during this time. But the second thing that's even more surprising is the women that Matthew includes. And remember, we looked at Tamar, and we saw this Canaanite woman, and she was our woman of hope. Her only hope was a son. That was the only thing that could redeem her. And Lord blesses her with a son in a very interesting way, if you want to go read uh, that story. But she also preserves the line of Judah. And from Judah, we get Jesus. Then we looked at Rahab, another Canaanite woman. She was our woman of faith, and it was her faith that saved her, that saved her family, that eventually leads to our salvation in bringing us Jesus. Then we saw Ruth, a Moabite, a foreigner, she was our woman of love, and through her love for Israel, for God's people, for her mother-in-law, Naomi, and even her love for her husband, her kinsman redeemer, Boaz, we saw how God was always directing every step of her life, always working for her good, even when she never realized it. Then last week, Bathsheba, the, our Hittite woman, she is the woman that experiences unlimited Grace, And we know that story with her and David. But what we saw with that is that sin is no match for God's grace. As bad as we might make things as messed up as we can kind of get, that sin is never a match for God's grace. So that leaves only one woman, Mary, the mother of Christmas. And everybody loves talking about Mary. I mean, there is no immorality. There's no deceit. There's no sin that she's trying to cover up. But we get this simple, poor, teenage woman. And what we see is that her life gets totally transformed. But the thing about this transformation in her life, it's totally unplanned. It's totally unexpected. And it happens when she unwraps the very first Christmas present. Now, there are two ways that you can unwrap a present. And I would say 99.9% .9 of you are in the first category. You get something and you just rip the paper off as fast as you can. 
But you know, there's actually another way. It's that .001%, which one of them is my mother. She's not here today, so I can talk about her. But she's one of those people that will drive you crazy. Because she takes each edge carefully, opens it up. Like, what do you think you're going to save and reuse this paper? But she carefully, and I think it's because she loves that anticipation of, of waiting until it's finally unwrapped. But she takes her time. But your families may do it. I don't know how your families do it. Some of you, I know, have already gotten together, but you may pass out the presents, and then it's just a free-for-all. And you know, and you look up, and there's this mound of paper. And, uh, but then some families take their time, and you have to wait, and it's one by one by one, and everybody takes a turn unwrapping those presents. But we know that giving and receiving gifts is such a huge part of Christmas, but you know this, that giving a gift, there is no greater satisfaction than when you give someone a gift and you can just tell, man, that is, I could not have bought a more perfect gift. And I don't know, maybe it's you think about the, the sacrifice that it went in to them giving you this present. You know, I can remember being a kid growing up in a little small town, um, and we shopped by catalog. And I don't know, you don't do that anymore. You get online or you go to the store, but we would look through like the Sears or the service merchandise catalog, and, and that's kind of how we shopped. And, you know, I remember one time getting a, a pair of, of sneakers that I knew was a huge sacrifice uh, for my family. And so that gift meant a lot because of the sacrifice it went into. Or maybe it's what you know how they really took time to get to know you. They really thought about who you are and what you like. And they took time to get to know you so that gift was just perfect. Or maybe it was just um, the gift that they give you, it just brings you hours of satisfaction. But, you know, giving gifts and watching that reaction, you've seen it before, you know. Especially with our kids, you give them a gift, they unwrap it, and man, they can't wait to get on to the next gift. But you give them a gift, and they unwrap, and it's almost like the world stops. And nothing else matters but that gift. It's like everything else is great, but, but nothing can surpass this one gift gift. And man, you see these things about sacrifice that it went into it in thought and, and the hours of satisfaction it's going to bring people. And then you start seeing it on the TV. And I'll, be, I'll tell you this, that I'm so glad I saw this commercial by myself for the very first time because it totally got me. So it was a, it's a Toyota commercial and it opens up with this couple driving uh, somewhere. You're not for sure where they're pulling a trailer. And uh, all of a sudden, it shows them uh, coming up, and I've got some pictures showing up, and they're just simply cutting down a tree. And, you know, something you see often this time of year, trees die, they fall over, whatever. And so this couple pulls up, and they're, they're cutting up this tree. But the story unfolds that this isn't just any ordinary tree, that almost 40 years ago, there is this couple that took a picture in front of this tree and carved their initials. And so there's the couple, and, and that happens to be the tree. But then it shows one of the young men, and you kind of realize, oh, it's this couple's son-in-law, and you see him cutting, cutting up this tree into firewood, and he's kind of stacking it up. But then the, the camera pans away, and it watches this older couple walking in, and they see this picture on a table. As that camera pans out, you realize that it's actually their daughter and, and son-in-law that took that tree, and it made them a dining room table. And that sweet old man says, oh, wait. This is our tree. 
Man, I'm telling you, I'm so glad I was by myself because I would not want anybody to see what happened after I saw that. But that's what gifts do. We think about what went into it and, and how it surprises you and, and it shows their family all gathered around this table. I think it says J plus S carved in this table. But you know, these gifts do so many things. I can remember growing up, I, uh, one of my favorite gifts, I got this little Safari Explorer. It's this little figurine, he had a, a jeep and a trailer and a lion and a tiger. And man, this was a great gift because, man, I spent hours using my imagination. I can remember getting my very first shotgun and growing up, I mean, that felt like such a rite of passage, that, that feeling like I was becoming more of a man. Or you get that bike that brings you so much freedom. But as great as that table was that that couple had done for their parents, or my Safari Explorer, or my bike, or one of those guns, as great as those gifts are, as special as they can be, we know that gifts don't last. They break. You outgrow them. Sometimes you even lose interest. So this morning, I want us to look in... Luke chapter 1, I want us to look at a gift that will always last. It's going to be a gift that can actually do something that no other gift can do. And we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 36. Or in 26, Luke 1, 26. This is how it reads. It says, the sixth month of Elizabeth's or in the sixth month, which is Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so uh, we know uh, her relationship with Mary, that Elizabeth is pregnant with the forerunner, the miracle of John the Baptist. They're all the, they're not able to have children, and the angel visits them. Remember, Zechariah doesn't believe them, so he can't talk. So it's the sixth month of her pregnancy. It says the angel Gabriel. So God's mighty messenger angel He's going to visit someone. And he says he was sent from God, so Christmas begins with God. He's the one that initiates it to a city of Galilee, and that's going to be important, named Nazareth. So Nazareth was this small little city that you would just pass by. It was kind of a no-name city, and you can see it there on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. There's nothing special about Nazareth. In fact, the Jews in the southern area where Bethlehem is, and, and uh, right there by the Dead Sea, the Jews in that area were, had a, just a disdain for those that lived in the north because they commingled and lived with Gentiles. They were friends with them. They worked with them. They bought and sold with Gentiles. And so Nazareth was this place that people looked down upon. In fact, you remember Nathaniel? In fact, Nathaniel hears about the birth of Jesus, and he says, how can anything good come out of Nazareth? But here's what we see God doing. He's doing something that we would not expect, as he often does. Because when you read about Gabriel, he doesn't go to Judah, the heartland of God's work. He came to this little Galilean town called Nazareth. Gabriel, if he's going to appear, we think he should appear in the greatest of all cities, Jerusalem. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't even go to the temple where all the worship took place, or even in the Holy of Holies. He goes where we wouldn't expect him, to this small, unnamed village. But he does this 
because of who is living there. And we see here in verse 27. To a virgin betrothed, or you might think engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. You remember that lineology, genealogy we see in Matthew that it comes through David. David and Bathsheba have a son named Solomon that eventually leads to Joseph. And this virgin's name was Mary. So just like Nazareth, in the world's eyes, Mary, she's absolutely a nobody. In fact, her life isn't extraordinary at all. She's going to marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, She's not going to travel very uh, far from where she grows up. One day she's going to die like a thousand others before her. So she's a nobody in the middle of a nothing town. But God is doing something. She's about to receive the greatest gift that you could ever unwrap. So this morning, this is what I want us to see from this story of this young girl. I want us to see the gift, and then I want us to see how she opens it. Because look at verse 28. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Man, just allowing that to sink in for a minute. Here's this young Mary going about her day, maybe going to gather water, fetch water, or going to the market. Maybe she's feeding some animals, tending to what she would be doing every day. And all of a sudden she hears, Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And that's an Old Testament greeting that there was no greater blessing than for the presence of the Lord to be where you are. And Mary is told, Mary, the Lord is with you. And notice her response in 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting This might be. So she's troubled. She is scared as anyone would be if all of a sudden Gabriel just shows up and he starts talking. But notice what she does. It says that Mary tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. She's discerning. She's trying to figure out what this is. She's got to be thinking, man, is this a dream? Man, am I hallucinating? Did I get a hold of some bad mushrooms last night? Maybe that lamb had started to turn already. She's trying to fit this into her experiences, and she can't find a category. But notice Gabriel's encouragement. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So he says, Don't worry. You are highly favored. God is with you. And once again, she hears, oh, favored one, and God is with you. And this favored, it's charis, which means grace has come upon you, or you have found grace, or, or better yet, grace has searched you out. And that's what happens to Mary, that grace found its way into her life. And it's about to show up as a present in the most miraculous and most unexpected way. Because he tells her in 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus or Yeshua. Mary is going to be the one who is going to bring the greatest gift the world has ever known. She's going to call it 
Jesus, which means salvation. So don't forget that because that's going to be important in a minute. That she is told his name is going to be Jesus. So notice the details of this gift. There's, this is kind of the parameters. This is who this gift or what this gift is going to be in verse 32. And he lists five things for us. It says he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. And hopefully you see these women that we've been looking at. How they play in to this scenario. In his kingdom, there will be no end. So if you like to kind of write in your Bibles or take some notes, I want you to notice five things about this gift. First of all, it says to the descriptors that he will be great. But not according to what we normally think. Think about it. He's gone to Nazareth. This young, unknown woman. And he says that he will be great. But think about his life. This baby is going to grow up. He'll be dead by 30. Crucified on a Roman cross outside the walls of Jerusalem. He'll leave no great buildings. No great architecture, no amphitheaters, no roads named after him. He left no books, no poetry. He'll never lead an army or sit on the throne in Jerusalem. He was never crowned with a golden crown depicting that he was the king of Judah. But the promise is that he will be great. And he will be, but his greatness is going to challenge every category that we might think greatness is. And I think that's why he goes to Nazareth. I think that's why God chooses Mary. He's going to break the categories of what we might think great is. Then he's going to be the son of the Most High. And a son is one that shares his father's qualities or his characteristics. And as you read through Luke, you see the words Most High and God's Son used interchangeably. Meaning he is acknowledging His equality with God the Father. He's going to be given the throne of David, number three. Remember our study through 2 Samuel 7. David was promised that there would come one who would sit on his throne and to rule as king. And Gabriel says, this is the one. The fourth thing he says, he'll reign over the house of Jacob. Remember, Jacob is the representation of all of Israel. He's going to be the one that will rule that house. And the last thing it says that his kingdom will never end. It will be eternal. He will be the one that will reign eternally forever. To never, never to be defeated or dethroned. But once again, notice this young woman's response in verse 34 when she hears this. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And it's so important to know what and why she is saying this. Because if you go back to the beginning of verse or the beginning of chapter one with Luke, you see almost a very similar situation with Zechariah. And at first glance, it seems like Mary is hearing this and she's kind of doubting if God's really going to do this. Like she's questioning. But what we really see a contrasting when you look at Zechariah to Mary. Because Zechariah, he's told, you know what, your wife is old, but you're going to have a son. And he said this. He says, how shall I know this? 
Or how will I know this? And Zechariah, he's asking for more evidence before he will believe what God says. But Mary, she understands the angel's announcement. How? I have no idea. He says, when you are going to become pregnant, you are going to call his name salvation. He's going to be the son of God. He will be the Messiah. She believes the message, but she just can't imagine how in the world it's going to happen. So she's not asking for more evidence before she will believe. She fully believes. She's just asking for more information. And we know this because her doubting, we know it's okay because when we read this, Gabriel, he doesn't rebuke her like he did Zechariah, but he encourages her. Because look at verse 35. And the angel said to her, answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you like, like the Lord did in the Holy of Holies. Therefore, the child will be born. He will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit, that is how the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And once again, for a third time, Mary is encouraged. And Gabriel reminds her of the miracle with her relative Elizabeth. So her doubting, her, her seeking more information is okay because he reminds her, look at what happened to Elizabeth in verse 36. For behold, remember remember Mary, your, your relative Elizabeth? In her old age, she also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Because he says, remember, there is nothing that God can't do. So it reminds her of the previous miracle and with the pregnancy with Elizabeth. Who, according to the world, she never should have been able to conceive. But then Gabriel makes this amazing announcement in verse 37. And I think everything is building to this verse. For nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see, the greatest gift you could ever receive is not just a person. The greatest gift you could ever receive is in the person of Jesus Christ, who is great, the Son of the Most High, the rightful King of the throne of David, who will reign forever. But the gift is also a truth. And if you receive this gift of Jesus, He can make the impossible possible. Meaning that if you take this gift in, it can transform your life. No other gift in the world, as great as that table was, man, as great as my bike was back in the day, no gift can do this. No gift can transform your life. They can bring you some joy. They can bring you some happiness. But the greatest gift is not just a person. It's a truth to receive. And this gift is one that can totally Transform your life. And that's what the gift was. That's what the gift is. It's not just a person as great as that is. It's also a truth. And that truth is, it's the only gift that can make the impossible possible. So let me show you how Mary opens it. So if that's what the gift is, then how, how do you open this gift? 
Well, in verse 28 and 29, look at what she does. She spends some serious thinking. She tried to discern, meaning she analyzed, she thought through, she contemplated. She thought seriously about the words of God coming through Gabriel. So you know how you open this gift? You open it by thinking seriously about the words God gives us in His Scriptures. We search them. We contemplate them. We think about them. We spend time around them. And then in verse 34, we see honest doubting. She says, how can this be? Now, she's not doubting the message. She's only searching for more information. She's not doubting that God could do this, but wondering how. So we unwrap this, we, we take this gift in by honestly doubting. Because faith is not the absence of doubt, but it's continuing to follow and to trust Jesus in the midst of doubt. You know, and I've thought about this even just the last couple of days. We got news uh, just a day or so ago. We've got a family at our South Campus that man, many have been praying for, the Skiles. A young little girl named Sophie that's been battling cancer. They got good news this past week. They were going to go ahead with the stem cell transplant. So they're doing just a final test to make sure everything is okay. The doctors had to come in to deliver the news. We are sorry, but the cancer is everywhere. In her lungs, in her heart. And really, there is nothing else we can do. It's just now a matter of weeks. So it goes from the hope of possibly a cure to do we keep her here or do we bring her home for her last few days? And so faith, faith is not the absence of doubt. Because you know what? I know Shelby and Jonathan have to be doubting. They have to be asking the questions. So faith isn't the absence of doubt, but it's continuing to follow and to trust Jesus in the midst of the doubt. So think about your own life. You may not be doubting the truth of Jesus. You may have come into your mind, you know what, I know, I believe he was real. I believe he came to earth. I, I believe he died for my sins. But we really might have a hard time believing that Jesus can actually change our circumstances. We might have a hard time believing that Jesus can actually change or save my marriage. That Jesus can really have an impact on my kids turning out well. That Jesus can actually heal. That Jesus can actually fix my financial situation. But hear the truth of Gabriel again. Because if you take this in, the promise is this. For nothing is impossible with God. The only way things change... The only way we could ever have our lives transformed is actually the verse I skipped. It's in verse 38, and we see it from Mary. So she thought seriously. It was honest doubting. But in verse 38, and Mary said these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me, or let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
And so what we see is that she had some serious thinking. She honestly doubted. But then there is this total surrender. This gift is opened by giving up ownership of your life. And that's the only way that it works. That is the only way that the impossible can become possible. This is the only way that things change or they improve. And here's where I think many of us live. And I find myself living in this often. Is that we want Jesus around. But we want just enough Jesus not to make things uncomfortable. We want just enough Jesus to get us into heaven, but not too much that we don't get life like we want it. You know, we want just enough. But this transformation that Mary experienced only happens when we realize that we don't get to manage Jesus. He manages us. And this was true of even his mother. Because do you remember back to the announcement to her? The angel told her his name will be Jesus. She doesn't even get to name him. She doesn't get to control the gift. The gift is coming to take control of her life. And so the greatest gift you and I could ever receive is this. The greatest gift is realizing That without Jesus in my life, I cannot make it. And at Christmas, you know, we think about Jesus coming as the baby, and we should. But the thing that is true about babies is that without someone else in their life, they cannot make it. And God allowed himself to be vulnerable, to be dependent, to be at the mercy of someone else. So just like Jesus, we all start out as young babies where we are totally dependent on someone else for us to make it. You know what happens? We get older. We get older and we become adults and we fall into the lie that says, you know what? I can do this on my own. Oh, I can fix my own problems. We can make it and I've got enough in me to do this. We just need to decide how to live our life. But what we need this Christmas is actually to go back to the place of total dependence. What we need is to unwrap that greatest gift that says this. It is realizing that without Jesus in my life, I cannot make it. And I know for me, man, even this morning I'm reminded of this. Even on our drive here. That each and every day I need to open this gift. Each and every day, I I want and I need this gift in my life. I want to live with the faith that says, I cannot make it as a husband without Jesus. If my marriage is going to last, it'll only be because of Jesus in my life. And if I'm going to have any success at a husband that at the end of this age... When I present my wife to Christ, if there is any glory in that gift, it's because of Jesus in my life. If I'm going to make it as a dad, if I'm going to make it at all, if I'm going to have any success as a dad, it's because of Jesus in my life. At the end of this age, when I offer up my children to Christ, if there's any sanctification in their life, it is only because of Jesus. If I'm going to make it, 
If I'm going to make it with the, as any kind of pastor, it is only because of Jesus. If there's any success as a pastor in this church, meaning at the end of this age when this gift is offered up, if there's any purity or holiness in this church, it is only because of Jesus in our lives. And so the greatest gift you could ever receive is actually the gift of total surrender. The greatest gift is realizing that without Jesus in my life, I cannot make it. And that is the greatest gift we could ever receive, but we have to take it in. Let us pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.